welcome to Just Bugs, an appreciation podcast for those oft-ousted creatures we humans call bugs, despite their official classifications. I'm your host, Savannah, and today I have my co-host, Matt, with me. Hello. Hi. Hi. Howdy. How you doing? Fabulous. How are you? Fabulous. That's quite a word choice. It's pretty good. I'm good. Don't make me mad. Oh. I'll squirt hot liquid on you like this bug. (laughs) Spoilies! Today we're covering the bombardier beetle. Can you say bombardier? Oh yeah, Google said bombardier. <laughs> like that. Yes, it did. <laughs> Those little pronunciation videos are always so funny to me. Yeah, it was really funny when you were trying to learn Spanish and then we'd have like a different oh, voice yeah. from Do like every know? yeah, it was like every yeah. family member <laughs> saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. That was really funny. It's good. So I'm going to tell you about the bombardier beetle. The genus of the bombardier beetle, you know, families is Brachinus. So it's a Brachinus genus. Brachinus genus. <laughs> yes. They have two subfamilies, Brachinania. Hmm. Brachinania. Uh, <laughs> you can do it. Come on. Okay, okay. Here we go. Okay. Brachinine. That's it. And then Posine. Subfamilies. Those are the subfamilies. So families, but like sub. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, they are a type of ground beetle. Very cute. That's an insect. Yeah, I'm looking at one uh, now, and uh, yeah, they have like a black, like exoskeleton, mm-hmm. uh, and then their legs are like orangey brown, and then they got big yellow spots on their backs. Yeah, so they can vary from species to species, but generally the elytra, which is like the outer wings on the abdomen, are going to be like a dark color, like a black, sometimes like a dark blue, or like a light cool blue, um, and they've got reddish or yellowish faces and limbs and then some species do have those yellow or other colored spots on their back pretty yeah he seems like a nice guy yeah he's cool except not really i mean like (laughs) he's cool enough he seems fine but just don't mess with him you know yeah it's like not the guy you want to mess with (laughs) um so these ground beetles there's about 500 species total worldwide and there are maybe five different tribes. I think we briefly touched on tribes in our last episode. It's basically like groups that include different like species or genuses within them. So I didn't get too deep into that just because there's a lot of them. But basically, there's a bunch of them. There are yeah. different species of this genus, Burkinus. Yeah, because like I in my head when we started this, I was like, we can do like every bug, but then there's like a lot of the same bug that yeah. are just slightly different. So we got to kind of rule those out, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I think this is a good way to do it. Some species are super specific. And like, if we have a, like a listener request that's specific, I'm down to do that. Also, you know, some, some are just very unique and different from the rest in their genus. So mm. like, that's cool. But for something like this, they're all, they have the same type of features. It's easy to just lump them all together. Yeah. So what do they look like? Typically, they are four to 15 millimeters, which is approximately like... <laughs> of an inch to like a half inch. So very, very small. That's like going to be baby babies though, usually, or like particularly small species, but generally that's the range. And then they can get up to like 25 millimeters, which is about an inch. Okay. Yeah. Because we were watching some videos and they looked pretty big there, but you know, Mm. that's just how it is when they film things like that. Scale and all that. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) this this guy's the size of a rhino. (laughs) 
quite, not quite, which is good because, you know, that would be terrifying. Yeah. We did kind of cover what they look like color-wise. They do have two eyes. They're going to be compound. And from what I could tell, usually always black. They're relatively big for the rest of their head size. But, you know, Yeah, cute. this one's got dirt in his eye. Well, you know, that does happen. They're on the ground, so. <laughs> <laughs> they do have four wings. They've got their elytra. That's that hard outer shell wing. And then they've got their underwings. These beetles cannot fly though. Their elytra on the ground beetles are usually fused together. So they're not able to take flight. Interesting. So why even bother having wings? You know, evolution. If you if all the rest of the beetles have wings, you're gonna have wings too. You just may have evolved to use to not using them, which is what happened with these. So they already had them. Can they like them. flutter them on the ground for like warmth or something? I don't think so. So if they're fused, no. Okay. If they're not fused, Maybe, but I don't know if it would actually be effective for warmth because as we mentioned in a different episode, like different insects use different ways of like thermoregulation mm -hmm. or lack That's thereof. what I was thinking. So I didn't find anything on them being able to do anything like that. I did see for this species that they are fused, so it shouldn't be an ability to be able to make them move, basically, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. So, anatomical defenses. You may be wondering what makes this an interesting insect. You did spoil it a little bit at the beginning, but no. it's good, it's good. Give them what they want right up top. <laughs> so, these beetles, the bombardier beetle, has a very specific chemical defense where it will eject a noxious gas and a stream of chemicals to evade predators, if they get threatened in any way, or sometimes to, you know, acquire their prey. Yeah, uh, from the video, it, it looked like a, a torrent of liquid. It was like unleashing a fire hose. Yes. <laughs> and then when it was done, it was like the whole beetle was like smoking. Yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of like a bomb. It, and that's not just in the way that it looks, but also sort of in the way that it functions. It is accompanied by a popping noise. And it works by using two different chemicals that combust inside of the beetle. So when they're combined, they have a chemical reaction. Those two chemicals are hydroquinone, or like a benzoquinone, and hydrogen peroxide. So they're stored in two separate cavities in the beetle's abdomen. And when the beetle feels threatened or wants to, you know, get its prey, it will allow the two liquids to combine in like an internal chamber. And then catalysts are present to break down the hydrogen peroxide. And when the oxygens from the peroxide go onto the hydroquinone, it like from the decomposition process, it will oxidize it. And that creates like a lot of heat and the chemical reaction gets very, very hot. And it's a noxious gas. So like a caustic gas that can be ejected onto the enemies. Crazy. That is insane. Yes. And so this liquid is very close to boiling point of water and it does produce a gas. The liquid and gas are like ejected towards the enemy and they can actually be directed or like aimed where they want it to go. They can go forward, sideways, split the streams. Like they really? can go all over the place with this. Yes. What is that? Like, cause you know, we have bodies, they have functions. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that like you got to flex here mm -hmm. or bend there to like, do things like how do you how do you decide i'm gonna mix this in my belly and squirt it in three different directions like how the heck do you 
What does that feel like, I wonder? I wonder. <laughs> I have no idea. That probably, probably feels insane because it is actually like a bomb going yeah. off internally. And they can aim it. And it can be fatal to insects. It can also knock them out if it's not like a small insect or their chemical defenses are a little bit better. But yeah, it's like a steam that's produced off of it. And it can be from 100 Celsius or like 212 Fahrenheit all the way to like 247 degrees Fahrenheit. So very, very hot. And it can basically inside of this cavity, it can produce 80 explosions in like a four minute period. And it can spray up to 20 times in a row. And each time it sprays, it will pulse its jets. And the jets can pulse 500 times a second. That's insane. Yeah. That thing, it's like not even alive. It's like a <laughs> mechanical thing or something. It's crazy. It's insane. And the basically the way that it prevents itself from cooking itself, because it's an insect too, mm-hmm. is those pulses actually give it just enough time to not hurt itself in the process. Yeah, so if it was like a consistent stream, it would just like cook its face. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's nuts. That that is what makes this beetle so interesting. And it's called the bombardier beetle, and that has the word bomb in it, so you might be thinking that that might be why, and it is. Because a bombardier is actually a term used to um describe an individual that works for the US Air Force, and that individual's job in the Air Force is to drop bombs. So that is what their naming convention is named after, and it makes perfect sense. Appropriate. <laughs> Very appropriate. So uh, can you explain for the listeners like where this is ejecting from on their body? Is like Yeah, so I didn't get like super detail on the anatomy, but basically what happens is the very tip of their abdomen, kind of like an ovipositor, which we've talked about yeah. before, where like a female can deposit eggs. They've got like a, an organ at the end of their abdomen that can be directed and manipulated like an ovipositor can, and they just point it wherever they need it to Yeah, go. the video we saw, they were kind of like on Tucked. all their legs, and then it like shot forward like under its belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll like dip their bottom down and kind of point it where they need to go. But if they don't need, if they don't need to go forward, they'll just leave it straight and point back. Oh, very cool. Yeah. You think that that would help them fly? I mean, it's basically a jet jet, propulsion. (laughs) Yeah, a jet propulsion beetle. Oh my god. Seems like a missed opportunity. (laughs) Maybe, you know, maybe in future evolutions, they'll be able to fly. We'll we'll check back. (laughs) So where are they located? They are on all continents with the exception of Antarctica. Cosmopolitan. So, thank you. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. I'm learning. Yes. <laughs> so they're typically found in grasslands or like woodlands, anywhere really that they have an environment that can be good for their reproductive system. So it has to be, you know, have enough moisture, be the right temperature. They like it relatively cold, but not too cold, like 60s, 70s, you know, and then humidity, not too high. But enough so that they are comfortable and not too dry. Are we talking like forest area? Because like we live in more of like a desert landscape. Mm. So probably not here. Likely not where we live. Yeah. In Arizona, yes, probably. But probably in like northern cities. Really? I've never heard of this guy. So this is crazy to me that they're around and no one's talking about it. I know. It's nuts. Well, part of the reason that you haven't seen them is likely because they are nocturnal. So you know how that goes. If a, if a beetle is out at night... The only chances you're going to have to see it are if you're also out at night and have a good light source. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not usually out in the, you know, forest at night. So <laughs> yeah. I'm usually hiding in the tent. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> 
So they are carnivorous, although I did see on like Nat Geo that they're that they may be omnivorous, so they might actually eat some plant materials. But basically they hunt at night. They do use their jet to kill ants and they will eat them, but primarily their defense is a defense. So that chemical reaction is usually used to defend themselves, but they can use it for other things. Yeah, I mean, considering their size and their big chompy mouths like i feel like that would be a little bit of overkill for an yeah ant. like they could just probably grab an ant why do yeah. they need to like have boiled ant <laughs> yeah well the reason for that is because the ants are defending themselves usually if you see an ant that ant is with a lot of other ants and they will nip at the feet oh true so they they defend themselves and then eat after i see basically if they're hungry you know so they do eat small insects such as ants but I also did see that they will scavenge on detritus. So that could, it was unclear to me whether that was animal decay or plant decay, but there is a possibility that they are eating plant decay, more likely so animal decomposition type situation. Does their spray aid in the decomposition for like digestion or is it just like where it can just eat dead stuff and spray things that it wants? I think it's more just that it, it can eat dead stuff and spray things that it wants. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was actually a study that I saw where they took the same chemical compounds and mixtures and fed it to these beetles and the beetles were fine. So it's not going to hurt them, but it's not going to like aid in the process of eating either. You think they're like, ew, why are we eating our own stuff? This is gross. Nah, they probably don't care. They probably <laughs> eat lots of gross stuff. <laughs> So, reproduction! I didn't go too deep. I basically just mentioned that they have, like, a ritual where they, like, will touch and see each other just to identify their mate and make sure it's another bombardier. Well, because it's nighttime, they can't see. They go, who's there? <laughs> oh, cute! Is that you? Is that you? Bob, is Jeffrey? that you? Jeffrey! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, once the mating is complete, the egg, or the female, I mean, well, not the egg. What is the egg going to do? The egg male. Did the egg of the female come first? It was the female. <laughs> but I, I don't it's know. okay. I mean, it's fine. Let's not get into it. The female creates something called a mud cell to hold her eggs. So think of like a wasp nest. Have you ever seen like a mud cocoon looking thing? Yeah, I was imagining like a bowl, but now I'm thinking like a full on like... I don't know. Like a little cavity? Cocoon. Yeah, yeah kind of like that. So... They're made of mud, actual mud that they put together. And for like a wasp, it's usually like a cave or like a tunnel formation. And for these guys, I wasn't able to find an actual structure showing me what they look like. So we're going to assume probably like a little cave structure, maybe more round than a wasp nest, but it's going to have an entry point where the female can go into. She may close it up after, but all of her eggs are going to be contained in there. Lots of dirt houses. I like dirt houses. I know, but that's this nice. is a common thing. I mean, if you live on the dirt. Yeah, know. that's fair. <laughs> it's abundant. So these mud cells are placed in locations away from predators. So they contain all of her eggs. So she needs to, needs to make sure that they're held safe. She'll put them on leaf detritus, um, decaying animals, underground, in logs, etc. Yeah, wherever seems like a good spot. Yeah, wherever she's like, this seems good. Yeah. So once they're hatched, they will go through a few molts before they reach sexual maturity. And during that time, they're about like a half inch long and cylindrical. So like the, the larval form is a cylinder. So like a wormy kind of thing? Yeah, like a little worm guy. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, most beetles have like a grub. It's probably yeah. similar to that. 
but smallish. <laughs> smallish. Smallish, you know. And they attach themselves to their mom until they're ready to be sexually mature and like adults. So they will just hang on to mom the whole time that they're babies. Well, that's cool. I mean, that that's also something we've seen a few times. So. Yeah. I always find it really interesting, though. I mean, a lot of like arachnids will do that. But I think insects, it's a little bit less common. Yeah. And I've never seen any in bug, insect, beetle that actually had their young on them. But maybe mm-hmm. they're just hiding because, you know. I have seen spiders with babies on their back, but I haven't seen any like insect myself Mm. that has had it. So that's interesting. I like that. Cool beans. Be on the lookout. Let us know if you've seen them. You know, go out at night specifically looking for bombardier beetles with babies on them. Don't burn your hands. Yeah, don't do that. Please don't do that. Okay, lifelink. So one source that I found said that the adults live two to three years. And then another source said like possibly that the adults are only alive for like a few weeks. So... Nat Geo says adults are alive for a few weeks. Stanford University says two to three years total. So they might both be true, you know, it, it may be like a nymph thing, but it's Well, things die at different times. I yeah. Mean. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't really know. But those are the, that's all the information I have. And I'm just regurgitating it. At least you. it's not a huge, like, you know, Difference. scope. Yeah. yeah. Two, two weeks, weeks, three years. <laughs> like, it's not. They're basically the same thing. In the scope of time. Yes, they are basically the same thing. Okay. <laughs> our time maybe maybe not so much for a beetle no girl. the universe oh i see okay good good <laughs> it's all a blink of an eye so true let's not get so deep <laughs> so they are group species they will hang out in groups with other bombardier beetles when they're not hungry if they're hungry they're going to be off on their own hunting and they do eat small insects so it's possible that they could eat young of the others or very small bombardier beetles but i didn't find anything that specifically said that they do that well, that's good, yeah, because it's really common. We're always seeing things eating their yeah. friends and their yeah. families and so stuff. Unkind. <laughs> so unkind. So <laughs> unkind. So they are relatively common as far as the genus is concerned, but you are very unlikely to see them because they're nocturnal. Mm. Makes sense. Are they dangerous? So, yeah, they their defenses can hurt people too. That It is a boiling jet of chemicals. So it is hot to the touch and it can cause irritation. So it can cause a burn from the boiling. It can also stain our skin. It can cause irritation to eyes, skin, and potentially the respiratory system, depending on how close your face is to this beetle. Don't put them on your face. Yeah, definitely don't do that. Like, (laughs) unfortunately, it's one of those things where like, if you're a macro photographer or somebody filming this beetle, you need to get close enough that you can actually see it, but you don't want to scare it or harm it because then you're going to get a face full of this and that's not what you want <laughs> yeah and like from the videos we were looking at it was like it seems like it could shoot the liquid like at least like three times its body length but mm. if it's only like an inch or a half inch that's not really that far that's so true. Like, stay stay a five Wait inch radius yes. draw, draw a circle in the dirt around it and just kind of yeah I love stay that. back i love that <laughs> So it's unlikely that they're going to cause any major harm to a person, but they can incapacitate their prey. So these chemicals are like dangerous chemicals. Like you shouldn't be messing with them necessarily. You know? Yeah. Like when they was spraying the ants, the the ants were kind of like, oh, stop. Like, I don't know. It was kind of funny. Like, yeah, I thought that they would like explode, but they were more like, (laughs) oh, why? Jeez. so rude but then they die after that they're yeah. at first they're like what the heck man and then they're dead it's yeah. so sad <laughs> all right what are their predators this is actually interesting because a lot of the times when we talk about predators there's a lot 
that's not really the case for these. And it makes sense. They've got yeah. ouchies. <laughs> yeah, ouch. So usually what will happen is a frog or a mammal will try to eat it. They'll release these and they'll either spit it out or just not approach at all. There are insects that will try to eat them. It doesn't so much go well for them. But there is one spider, an or like an orb-weaving spider, all the orb-weaving spiders, I guess, within the genus. I guess it's maybe not a genus, but it could be a genus. R-G-O-B. <laughs> R-G-O-B. <laughs> it could be R-G-O-B. <laughs> R-G... Yeah. It's probably, it's probably R-G-O-B. We're going to go with that, but it has an E at the end. Anyways, these orb-weaving spiders are able to eat them. There was a study by Eisner and Dean that found that these spiders were able to wrap the beetle in silk before it attempts to explode. So, avoiding that, like, they're avoiding this reaction because they're not touching them. They're just wrapping them in the silk without causing any harm to the beetle. So, it doesn't trigger that response until they're already wrapped. And once they're wrapped, they're avoiding the full damage, these spiders. So, they're not going to be harmed in the same way. Yeah, I was imagining, like, if anything wanted to eat this, one, it would have to not know, try, and then fail. Mm -hmm. Or it would have to know and, like, plan for it. Like, I'm going to, like, cover up that butthole thing, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, then we'll go from there. Oh, or, or, or alternatively, their strategy for hunting in general is just so just so happens to be perfect for this experience. Because I think, like, these orb-weaving spiders, they have already adapted to wrap their prey before they, they try to touch it. So it's just happenstance that that works out for well, them. Well, I was trying to give them more credit than that. But, yeah, I guess you're yeah, right. Sometimes that evolution is, is not intentional, you know? It's just, just like oh, Just wrap it up just like everything else. Exactly. It worked my, out perfect for uh, them. prefer my bugs and wraps, not sandwiches. <laughs> Same? <laughs> I don't know. I think I... Well... I don't really want to eat bugs in general. Well, I guess. it's a spider saying it, not me. That's fair. That's so fair. <laughs> so, their environmental impact. They're not endangered and they are potential decomposers. Like, they could eat some decomposing materials. So, they could be good in that way. Alternatively, they're not, they don't have any negative impact. So, they're, they're generally good for the environment. They're part of their ecosystem, like everything else. So, they have their place and it's a good place. Yeah, interesting they don't have much prey because, like, usually things that – or, sorry, have much of, like, predators. things – Predators. It's, like, usually things that don't have much predators kind of, like, run rampant. Mm -hmm. But it seems like they're keeping their own numbers uh, down, which – or at a nice spot, which is good. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice when you see that. Usually that really only happens with an invasive species. So, like, in their environment, they have at least one predator or, like, one environmental factor that will keep their their – populations and populations in check if they go into a new environment that's when it becomes a problem because mm -hmm. there's no predators or there's very little predators and the environment either can accelerate their growth or just not harm it in any way and so that's where it gets potentially dangerous but for this one it's in its ecosystem it belongs there because it's in so many different places it obviously has something that's affecting it it may be fungus bacteria it could be temperatures it could be anything but, yeah true but their populations are stable, so that's good. Good. Mm -hmm. So, some cool facts. I did see that some creationists, which are like people who believe that the world was built from a person or a, a god or something creationally wise, mm -hmm. not evolution, essentially. They will use this beetle as an example of something called irreducible complexity. What that means is it's they, th they feel that this 
specific species is too complex or too specific to have evolved in nature due to the requirements of one or more parts working together. So in this example, we're referring to like the defense mechanism that they have, that like bomb. Yeah. They will point to this as can't the, the fact that it can't work if a part is removed from the situation means that it's too unlikely that it would have evolved to have that basically i mean you could say that about anything you really could it does go have against... you seen a tv it's pretty crazy <laughs> well i guess that's not in nature. yeah exactly okay. okay a person then that's pretty intense but yeah but that's that's sort of like what they point to um and that does go against evolution biologists have speculated obviously don't agree with that and they've speculated that this mechanism could have evolved through steps in the natural selection process so an example of that Quinone is like a, a chemical that's required to make the things that they make, like the, the hydroquinone, basically. So quinone is a chemical that is used by other beetle species to harden their chitin, which is what their exoskeleton is made mm. of. And in other insects, the quin quinones are used under their exoskeleton as like a stinky chemical to deter. Okay, so it's already, it's, it's already in there. other beetles. Mm -hmm. They just kind of made it a few steps ahead. Yeah, they've just used the same chemical for a different process, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so, you know, take that however you'd like to, but I'm all for evolution for sure. <laughs> so another cool fact, if they did not separate their chambers for those chemicals to be held in, they would not be able to survive because those chemicals in combination in their abdomen would be caustic if they weren't able to pulse them out or get them separated. Yeah, if or they're mixed by accident or yeah. something. So yeah, if they didn't have those two separate chambers, they would not be a species. They yeah, they need survive. like two separate tanks. Yeah, so like <laughs> say there was like a mutation and there was like an the two the two different chambers had an issue, that bug would die immediately. It would not make it to sexual maturity. It would not make it, it would just die. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Pretty cool. And then there, there are other insects that use chemical warfare or chemical mechanisms like this. But this is the only insect that uses this exact chemical mechanism. So it's the only one that will heat its chemicals and spray them out. Both of those things together. Super cool. Yeah. Never seen anything like it. When you showed me this, I was like, what? I know your face was like, what? Firefighter beetle. Yeah. Crazy. So steam. We got hot steam. We got hot liquid. We got chemicals. It's stinky. It's like all, it's all of it. It's all of it. That's just so crazy to me. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Well, do you have any questions for me about the Bombardier beetle? I think you got everything. It was pretty cool. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I do have a couple of little shout outs. These are going to be for our macro photographers that allow us to use their photos. This week, I only have two. It's at Jethro underscore macro, who allowed us to use another one of his aphid photos. This one has an Asian lady beetle who's actually eating the aphids, which is mm. really cool. Love to see that, that like behavioral photo that doesn't happen that often. Circle so, of life. So cool, yeah. man. <laughs> Love it. And then the second macro photographer is going to be at underscore alien, aliens period of period earth underscore. And they are going to be allowing us to use this lovely photo you're looking at of the bombardier beetle. Good picture. It really is. It's very impressive. I was very thankful to have scored that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week. As always, please tell your friends if you like the podcast. That is the best way to get around, word of mouth. We also would love, rate, and review the podcast. 
If you like it, let people know you like it. I also want to know that you like it. So let me know. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. Word of mouth is how we, you know, grow. So we're, we're depending on you guys for help. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, if you have any questions or comments or if you have any listener requests, I do have quite a few that I'm working on, but I always want more. Eventually they will run out. So go ahead and send in your own. You can send those to justbugspodcast at gmail.com as long as, as well as any of your own like listener stories, any interesting times that you've interacted with insects that you want to share. I want to hear them. So please let me know. Uh, We do have some social medias. We've got TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Not in that order. (laughs) I would say Instagram (laughs) is the most, the thing that we use the most, followed by Twitter and then TikTok. I think that might be it. Is that all? I think that's it. All right. Well, as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening and don't squish bugs. Don't squish bugs. Just don't do it. It's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Bye, guys.